so yeah, let's do this. So uh, hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Alex Schaefer, uh, a painter who became famous for painting burning banks. <laughs> Alex, welcome That's to right. the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. It's a, a pleasure to be able to chat to you. Um, really, it, it was funny. Like I knew your work and then uh, someone reached out to me and suggested that I, I sort of look a little bit deeper into you and possibly even have you as guest. So yeah, here we are. Bravo. You know, uh, sometimes an artist uh, should just let their work speak for themselves, but I can't resist talking. Well, um, what does it say? A, a painting, a picture paints a thousand words. So we'll probably get maybe a couple of paintings in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a few thousand words. Uh, and I got my art supplies here. I got a little canvas. So I might just like uh, every now and then I'm just going to interrupt the interview and do a little painting here. Yeah, go for it, man. So yeah, I've got I've got us up on a split screen and then um, I've got you just with both sides of the, of the thing there so people can see what you're doing. Um, and I'll make sure I get plenty of that. So before we get into the burning banks and NFTs and getting arrested, um, why don't you tell people, like, what would you say the first piece of art that you remember making is? Oh, man, the first piece of art. I, I mean, I do vividly remember certain pieces that I did in, like, um, grade school and uh, high school, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't really consider that like uh, that was just curiosity, you know, and kind of trying a lot of things out. Like I probably was as excited to try to play a saxophone when I was 10 years old or something like that as well. Um, but yeah, it was like a painting of a, of a planet. I think it was Jupiter <laughs> and it was like colored pencil on black matte paper with these wax pencils. And it was a lot of uh, hard edges and, and uh, get, getting the moon of Jupiter or something like that. Hmm. Did it go I mean, your, it, did it took it me a fridge? while to figure out the game, the painting game. And uh, I had a few teachers um, before I, uh, like after high school. And then when I went to art school, that really just, just hooked me onto painting, you know, and Bob Ross was the guy that got me hooked on painting. Oh. You know, I mean, I don't know with your accent, you, you must know who Bob Ross is. I mean, everyone on the internet knows who Bob yeah, Ross is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If you've been on the internet, you know who Bob Ross is. And I mean, I was watching those new, you know, back in the eighties. Cause you know, I'm, I'm like 52 years old. So. Uh, oh, you look good. For 52, so I man. was just like obsessed with with watching Bob Ross, and there was this other guy that did watercolors, and then another dude that was kind of like Bob Ross's mentor, uh, Bill Alexander. You know, and then Bob Ross was kind of like if Bill Alexander was Saturn, then Bob Ross was Zeus because he ended up just taking over and becoming bigger than his than his father. You know, in like a yeah mythological Her sense yeah if hercules took the crown yeah yeah there you go <laughs> so i would say that that's that was my gateway drug to um to painting mm. and uh and i and and i always have a fond memory of bob ross but as, as i gotten older i kind of recognize you know you just start to see more and, and um so i always have you know I always take Bob Ross with a, with a grain of salt too when I'm trying to talk to someone who's a painter and keep them excited about painting, you know, because um, the thing that's a lie about Bob Ross is he always nails it, you know, like his batting average. He, there's never a show where he's like, well, this sucked. <laughs> I tried to do this waterfall with the rainbow and I blew it, but we'll see you next week, you know. Uh, he, it's always a perfect landing. It's like the Olympics. It's like, uh, you know, sports or something. And to someone who's getting into painting, expecting that every time is like, it can be a stumbling block to getting into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And um, because most of the work that you're going to do when you're pursuing uh, something you know, you're just going to have a lot of failures, you know? So I always go, Bob Ross is great. I mean, you could teach lessons about how the old masters worked in their, in their paintings, um, you know, by deconstructing the way Bob Ross works, you know, uh, but, uh, 
but they failed a lot more. You just don't see the failing. And I guess you don't see the failing of Bob Ross. But, you know, with the old masters, fortunately, we do have unfinished pieces, you know, like that's super instructional for an artist to look at Degas. I mean, there's more unfinished Degas than finished Degas. And, uh, and so, you know, painting is like... Uh, it's a game in and of itself. It's a whole separate thing. I mean, I am known as the guy who does the burning bank paintings, you know, but what I'm thinking when I'm painting is nothing to do with, with the, the type of thinking I'm doing when I'm sitting around grumbling about how these banks have fucked everything up. Really? You know? Like the, the so wonder so actually this this is a great point. So you you've magically managed to lead yourself towards something I want to ask you about. So brilliant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you you don't find that 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 hatred or or maybe not even hatred, but that just just that anger towards the the financial system and and the way it operates isn't feeding into your desire to paint banks on fire because like one of the one of the key th moments I think when when someone's like learning about art is that yeah. they realize that um, in terms of a painting at least that it's not just a picture of what you see on the canvas. Like and and that I I realized way later than I should have. I will freely admit I like did my my um, we have a thing called a GCSE that you do at sixteen in the UK. So I did my art GCSE and no one had explained that to me. I was just like making pictures of stuff. Like no yeah. one had explained to me that, that it, it has a meaning to the viewer. Yeah, exactly. And not just that, that, that like, you know, there can be many layers to it and, you know, it can be a metaphor. It can be like representing something. My art teacher just like didn't explain that. <laughs> and that's yeah, like, maybe yeah. I, like sounds really stupid and naive, but I was a stupid, naive kid. So whatever, but <laughs> who's not? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, true. So like, do, do you really find that, 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 you're not like channeling that anger, like consciously into the paintings to represent like, to, I don't know, to, like, some form of like catharsis almost. Uh, the thing is like, it's this merging of the type of painting that I like to paint that just worked really well with the subject matter, you know, um, Honestly, like fire lends itself to expressionistic brushstrokes, you know, like if you look at a, at William Turner paintings, I mean, there's a reason why he gravitated towards seascapes, you know, because the energy that he can unleash with that type of, of uh, painting and then leave it, you know, and not cover it up with, with refined brushstrokes at the end is um you know it's like the 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 your chocolate falling in the peanut butter it's a perfect combination but the thing is what's going on in my mind the uh the battle with the paint and and keeping it interesting and uh creating a cultivating an environment for happy accidents to happen and things like that is like i said it's i swear it's a different part of my brain you know so, uh, so I might, I could be painting a seascape, you know, with, with waves and the beach and whatever. And in my mind, it, the battle is the same, you know, but, uh, as far as the burning bank paintings, I would say that it was just a perfect, it was like a perfect, uh, choice, mm. you know, and, and I was just starting to read a lot, you know, it came, it went hand in hand with, Oh, an awakening of what was going on in the financial world, you know, starting in like 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, you know, I definitely, my brain came online to a certain subject in the news uh, very tangibly at that, at that point, you know, that was like 12, uh, 12, 13 years ago, mm. you know? Um, and, you know, at the time, and, and still to this day, doing a lot of plein air painting, you know, where you're just setting up on the street or you bring your art supplies wherever you're going and you paint uh, what's in front of you, that uh, it just seemed like, 
I, like I had to do this, do a plein air painting of a bank on fire, like fuck them, hmm. you know, what are they going to do? And I mean, I know the person that I was seeing at the time was like, oh, was very discouraging, you know, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's like, what are you, you know, what are you crazy? And, um, and that's, it just, it, it like encouraged me. I mean, this, I'm not with this person, but, but it was like, it just felt more like this is something that I, that I had to do, mm. you know? Um, Cause it was something you shouldn't. Yeah. It was like, an, it was a shouldn't. statement that I could make with, that was totally in my wheelhouse of the type of art that I like to make. You know, there's something to be said for the temperament. You know, they talk about, oh, the artist's temperament. And, you know, Van Gogh had a certain temperament. And Cezanne had a temperament. And their works are different. And the temperament lends itself to the artist and, the, and what they also paint, you know. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to try every different type of subject matter and, and whatnot. But like I'm on the I'm on the spectrum, the painting spectrum. I'm on the expressionism, emotions and paint and thick brush strokes. And I'm on the opposite of like uh, super clean, uh, refined, um, finish type of work, you know. But when I had an art history teacher that divided the whole kind of uh, art world into two 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 teams, the team expressionism and team classicism you know i was like okay i'm on this side i'm on the side with rembrandt and franz halls and and the guys that throw a lot of paint around turner and van gogh you know i'm never going to be a uh a a, a a french academic painter hmm. you know or like a jean auguste dominique angre or uh, you know like a contemporary artist who's very tight and stuff it's just it's not the type of music i'm going to play you know yeah, well, I mean, it, that, yeah, it's just like music. Like some people aren't going to be hip hop artists, and some people aren't going to be soul singers. Like, yeah, you know. So when I'm painting on the street, like even when I'm painting a burning bank, I'm I'm not necessarily all the time going, "God damn, man, I hate these motherfuckers." But sometimes I'll do that, you know, throw some brushstrokes in. Like I remember seeing some video of uh, some guy who did these paintings where he's screaming into his brush as he's like dragging a brush stroke across the canvas like ah and uh sure you know i've, I've done that but still i mean when it comes to to the the whole spectrum there's i'm a painter you know and i know what i'm good at yeah so when you talk about the battle with the paint like do you mean like you're you're battling to with the colors to, to not let it like slip away from where you're going. You're like, uh, what do you mean by the, and, and is that like, is that like yeah. search for the colors? Is that drawing your attention? And that's why you're not necessarily. Okay. So I like, I could, I could, I could start with like a little painting right now. Yeah. So go I, got, it, I got my things here, you know, and a lot of times you'll hear people say, Oh, you got to learn to draw before you can paint, <laughs> you know? So then you're like, Oh shit, I got to get a really sharp pencil now. And I got to draw really careful, line around what i'm going to paint you know and uh and then i need to make sure that i get everything just right and and then then you start to be like okay i'm gonna start putting colors in here i'm gonna fill it up to to the edge with pink and, and orange and stuff like that and that's a type of work you know that's a type of way of working and it's very um it's very uh pro procedural it's very like a recipe you know you can't cook a cake in reverse you have to follow the recipe you know and you don't put the egg in after the cake's out of the oven mm -hmm. and then then put the water on when you burn the burn the flour you know so with painting there's also this idea where it's like well screw it I'm just going to get a gi big gigantic brush here and I'm just going to lay a bunch of orange on here first just a big patch of orange and I'm going to get even more orange underneath your chin. And, uh, you know, and then I'm going to just take another gigantic brush and I'm going to start to get some, some of your hair and, and, uh, 
get this going on and maybe start drawing your neck. And then on top of this cushion of, of color, oh, oh, now I could start drawing again. Oh, maybe I'll put your eyes in. Maybe I'll start to put in uh, your mustache and you know some of your beard, stuff like that. So the game of painting is in part like, you know, I don't like to follow the rule. I don't like to follow the recipe. Uh, I find it to be, I mean, when you're painting realistically, the song is the same. The chord changes are the same. You know, the, the way that the illusion of light is created with paint is the same. Mm -hmm. um, but how you get there doesn't have to be the same, you know? So I'm kind of like constantly trying to just take a different path to get to the same ending. Mm. Uh, and if I think about it in terms of like painting and art history, you have, like I said, the expressionists and the classicists. I would also, another one of my teachers said the Florentines and the Venetians, you know, those were the two painters. They're, they're both Italian, you know, but the, the way the Florentines work versus the Venetians, the Florentines all came from fresco. So you don't fuck around with fresco. You got to do it like this. There's no improvisation. There's no, there's no nothing left to chance. You do lots of studies. You do drawings. You do enlargements with contraptions and devices, and you transfer it onto wet plaster, and you got four hours, and if you don't get it right, you're fucked. You know? And so that notion of how the, the process and recipe and requirements of, of painting and fresco, sometimes people take that with them to oil painting. You know, and um, but the Venetians were kind of like, meh, I don't want to do that, you know. And so they were more like they were oil painters and you don't have to do it. You know, like there's some like high Renaissance, early Baroque painters where there's no drawings. They just had a big canvas and the, whoever commissioned it said, I want it to be this big. It's going to fit here. And I want the theme to be, you know, uh, nymphs and satyrs or whatever. And they would just stretch the canvas and start drawing on it. Like, oh, I don't know. You know, and then when you x-ray those paintings, they're like, oh, you can see that there used to be a shepherd here, but they painted it out. And then they uh, put a basket where this is and they added this person and they changed their gesture. And there's all this like changing, they call it pentimenti, you know, but you can't do that to like a fresco painting. You know, there's no, there's none of that working it out as you go. I'm just going to wing it and start off with a general idea. It's impossible, you know. So I'm on the side that likes to work more in that manner. That's my manner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ultimately, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, the way artists would create music, like the two, the two different approaches. Like, I, I know there's a lot, there's a lot of people who say perhaps in like the early days of Lennon McCartney, they would have, they would write the song and that would be it. And they would come in and the band would play it or some yeah. one individual will write the whole thing perfectly. They'll have all the arrangements and they'll just come in like Brian Wilson in the beach boys, right? He would have written the entire arrangement and then come in and just be like, okay, play. Or yeah. there's bands that, that maybe go in with absolutely nothing. Actually, you two are, are, are a band who, who, I don't know if you know this, um, uh -uh. they write all their songs by just going into a studio with nothing and then they just start playing and sometimes it wow. can take days um but they just go in and they just start playing until they feel like something and they record everything and then they'll go back they'll review it they'll find a the little bit that they like and then they'll like go in and then like start with that and build the songs from there and sometimes it can take like months and months and months and months um, like there's a, a documentary about their, their album Actung Baby that, that nearly destroyed them because they tried doing this, but they had to totally reinvent themselves because they felt they'd become stagnant and the entire huh. band nearly broke up while in the, in the process of making it. And then they wrote the song one and everything was fine. <laughs> oh my God. So I never knew that. Mm, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very much. It this, makes sense uh, though. Cause you can hear you know? the joy and inspiration in a lot of their music. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like someone sat in a room and wrote it. I don't, think, yeah, I don't yeah. think you could, I don't think you could like sit in a room and come up with like, um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like it, it doesn't emerge like that. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I wonder how much, like how much they bring to it and how much that they're just kind of like, uh, you know, like, like maybe they just, maybe one guy comes with a bunch of chord changes that he likes and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to somehow work this into something here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's the, 
they're coming to it and the it's like I, I guarantee some of their songs have been rewritten like a, a hundred times, like painted over the canvas. Um, and yeah. I think it'd be fascinating with art the way they can x-ray the canvas. But like, say you could like, I don't know, x-ray like a record and you'd be able yeah. to see the layers of song that came like underneath it and before it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember one time falling for, for some fake news, but it, it really it still made me think it was super cool was there was a guy. The fake news was that they used a laser on a Greek vase that was a turned vase and they pointed this laser at it and that somehow miraculously the voices in the room at the time of spinning the vase were recorded in the clay like a record and that they were able to shoot this laser and then spin spin the vase and then you could hear like someone saying something in Greek and I was like "I, I fell for it I was like oh it's so plausible you know that is plausible I was but talking. to this day, that kind of the x-ray thing, it's like an Easter egg, you know? And uh, like they just found another Easter egg, another Van Gogh Easter egg. Like he was the classic artist who left Easter eggs everywhere. And that was part and parcel to why he was such a big, uh, why he was just so popular for so long, you know, for years after his death. Like into the 40s, I think, in the 50s and the 60s, they were still finding like Van Gogh's Wow. Plugging up a hole in some old lady's chicken coop in France, you know, or someone that, that, that bought an old hotel and the way in the attic, there was like a painting there. And so, you know, those just kept popping up for years and years, and then it would become a huge story. Of course, the news wants to run some crazy story like that, and then it would go to auction, and the prices just got higher and higher. And and um, so, in a, in a, you know, that's kind of part of the game is like leaving those Easter eggs. I, and I paint over my paintings all the time. So if anybody is ever going to x-ray one of my paintings in the future, like give that much of a shit to x-ray, they're going to find like three or four paintings underneath, you know. Um, it's, really, it's really just helped my storage problem. And, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, it, it, there's sort of a, it's like a ritual or there's a uh, getting over your, um, getting over yourself, you know, like you'll keep a painting and you'll think, ah, this was good, you know, and then five years later, you're like, what is this shit? This is like, you know, uh, so the paintings that are still around, like, I really like them because if I'm like, man, at that, uh, these days, fuck it, I'm painting over it, you know? Or I'm, or I'm like re, repurposing it. Maybe there's like a part that I like. And then, uh, and then there's a part of it, like uh, I got this painting here. You know, I did a bunch of, uh, of like plein air paintings at a uh, like rock festivals years ago. And so it's a lot of these crowds in the foreground. And there, there used to be like a big stage back here. Hmm. And so I've just taken the, uh, a shaving brush and just kind of taken white paint and, and painted all the stage out, but left the crowd. And I kind of want to take this to do like a burning bank, but then also have this pre-painted like crowd cheering it on, you know? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. You've almost got the smoky background already. Yeah. 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 And um, so, you know, you just, you keep painting. That's the thing is you just keep painting. You never know what you're going to do as long as you're kind of like, finding a way to keep, to keep it interesting. Uh, you, you know, the things, sometimes you don't know what to do with something. And then years later you do, you mm. know, maybe that happens with a musician. You're kind of like, God, I can't figure out this song, but or I can't figure frequently. out this poem or I can't figure out this short story, but you just sort of keep it. You figure you, you work on it now and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh damn. Oh, okay. I know life's all about those exciting revelations. Yeah. Do you know what? Maybe you find this too. I find sometimes I'll be going back. Like I was going back through like some of the music I'd written like a long time ago. It's like, yeah, I don't remember writing this. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay, so this you're a musician. All. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. in, in, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I find, do you ever, do you ever do that? You're going back through old paintings or sketchbooks. You're like, I don't remember oh, yeah. doing this. Oh Yeah. I mean, I, I totally enjoy it. it and, but the thing is, I've been painting for a long time. So I got some oldies. 
And, uh, and yeah, it's fun to go through and look at stuff uh, and, and to see like maybe where you're evolving and things like that. Uh, yeah, it tends and, to be one or the other. I'll either go back and think, oh my goodness, this is such trash. Or like, oh, that's kind of good. I wrote that? Like, <laughs> yeah. But see, now I've gotten to the point where I've painted out, I painted over most of my trash. Mm, that's I smart. actually need to go to the art store and get some, get some fresh uh, stretcher bars and stuff. I'm, I'm low because I don't want to start like getting to the point where I'm like starting to, to, to paint over the my, my, things I like, you know, because I'm like, oh, I don't have any more canvas. Yeah. I only wish there was a, a Citadel Securities in um, in California. Maybe there is. That would be one what that, is that? I, you would you would make so much money if you painted Citadel Securities <laughs> on fire. No, I'm not even joking. Like really? <laughs> um, so so I don't know how much you know about about um, like the the meme stock thing that happened yeah, last yeah, yeah. year. Okay, so I'm writing a book about GameStop specifically because they were the one that that was really the company that 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 yeah kicked it all off and and the one that that kept going really right um so basically uh the thesis from the mainstream and all the all the the companies that claim they are are that you know all their bets in that area are closed you know there's no yeah. more nothing else to see here everybody look away because the and, story is just evaporated uh yeah but it has not this is this is what my book is about right because every from from the perspective of basically everyone that's not watching this like hyper closely it's done yeah. it's over it's finished but um the company has been making incredible incredible uh strides they have <laughs> it looks like they're about to make all of our dreams come true <laughs> Oh my god! Um, so they the, the thesis of the whole thing was that there was loads of like fake shares in circulation, right, of GameStop, yeah. um, because of yeah, financial because they just financial system when they short sell, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. right. So they claim that all the shorts have been covered. There is no more uh, counterfeit shares in circulation, and that's the end of that. The people, right. the 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 sort of million strong community on the internet believes otherwise. And yeah. um, the company just released a a stock split as a dividend, right? So that means that theoretically they have found a way to expose the fact that there is a massive number of extra shares, um, and there's been a lot of weird things happening with people's like brokerages and how the split was uh, executed by different brokers and there's allegations that the, the DTC, which is like the central regulatory body who's in charge of all this have committed international securities fraud. Oh um, my God. and yeah. And the company have been building an NFT marketplace, which has quickly become, I think the biggest, if not one of GameStop the biggest is? GameStop have just released this NFT marketplace, which has already become one of the biggest, if not the biggest on the internet in terms of volume traded. Um, oh they've, they've smashed past OpenSea, um, as far as I was wow. aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're 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 coming for the crypto market, man. So the theory is that now they're going to withdraw their stock from the stock exchange and um, put it on their own NFT based exchange to prevent any financial system fuckery in the future. Oh my god! So that so they're just going to use that to uh, theoretically, yeah, fuck we, with the financial system exactly exactly and then you know and then it's going to discredit nfts i mean i could see why they're doing it because it's going to be it's like a perfect it's a win i i hope that so what i mean this is so off of my subject matter of expertise but yes. where do you think it's going to go well i mean that is the real question whether gamestop actually withdraw themselves from the the dtcc and the, the exchange and create their own thing is remains to be seen they have they yeah. now have since this all kicked off they have built themselves the capability to do it one their their layer two partner in where they've built their their nft marketplace now this isn't my 100 percent area expertise so i could be getting this slightly wrong but they've partnered yeah. with this company loop ring who they have uh -huh. like sort of absorbed but not really and they have their entire software is built for making decentralized exchanges that's what their entire thing is for. Um, and, yeah, and, and that's who they're working with. And like, I don't know, man, it just seems like all of the pieces are falling into place. But the reason that you should paint Citadel on fire to get back to your original question is because yeah. Citadel Securities are the main villain of the story. 
So there was Robinhood, who was the broker that everyone was buying on, who turned off the buy button. But Citadel yeah, yeah. Securities were the company, were the biggest hedge firm that had the biggest short position against GameStop, and were the ones buying all the all the order flow from Robinhood, and have like in the eyes of many leaned on Robinhood to turn off the buy button. But that's that remains to be proven in court. And that was like the infamous moment in history. There, yes. So you should paint Citadel Securities on fire because some GameStop obsessed legend will buy it <laughs> for a lot of money. Uh, I, I would, I would. But I would is it just it. like a what? Where? Where are they? What is it? Is it just it's like a, a big? Uh, it's one of the. It's one that you anonymous. No, it's uh, it's uh, they're they're what's called a market headquarters. No, it's what's called a market maker. So they're basically they they're kind of a brokerage, but also more than a brokerage. So they provide like liquidity to the market by being able to create shares essentially and and sell them. Okay. Um, and that's how you get company. That's how. So are they the ones the that are ones. that are counterfeiting all this? Yes. Basically? Theoretically, yes. Um, so oh they are God. the villains of the story. Um, They're the worst. They are. People. Co- <laughs> yeah. There's been. It's been quite a saga. <laughs> Go pre-order my book, everyone that's listening. Uh, I'm, yeah. bas- I'm in the midst of finishing it as we speak, actually. Only a year after I thought I would, but there you go. Um. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I am just continue to be blown away at how long this has gone on. Wait, do you mean this saga? Or I assume you mean like the, 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 the fuckery of the financial system. Yeah, the yeah. whole fuckery of the financial system. You know, uh, and if I think about everything that is plaguing the world right now, or maybe specifically America, it's just part of it is that everything about the American dream is just um, what's the word? It's like they're just it's it's unattainable now. You know, the, the money has gotten so fucked and wages are stuck. Uh, the cost of living is so outrageous that, you know, um, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out here because I get very mad about this too. And, and um, America is not alone. Um, it may feel like it is, but it is not. The, the entire world is suffering at the hands of... Um, probably broadly known as financialization um it's yeah. it's just the, the the constant expansion of yet yeah, the finance world and there's there's a great book actually you, sh- you should uh, check out called the finance curse so it argues yeah. that that the finance industry has become more of a drain on on the economies of the developed world than than any other industry like it they claim to be the thing providing all the money but they're the one ones preventing all the growth because yeah, yeah they just they, they go in they they buy up companies who are doing perfectly well. They drain them of their money. They strip them of their assets. They file bankruptcy, and then they walk away after like draining all the money out of it and destroying a company that people took decades to build. It's it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there it's what's the word they call it? Vulture capitalism. It where, where they're just you know, and I I've just seen such a long frustrating d. De- um, industrialization, demanufacturing of the world. Mm. Uh, you know, I really look back to 1971. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. like that was the date that really changed. I mean, that was when the dollar failed and they created a new dollar. And we're at the point now, 50 years later, where that one's failing and they want to do it again with a digital dollar. Uh, you know, if there's anything I think that the public needs to learn to reject is that. The central banks have been given the power to issue money and that they have fucking blown it. Now we're coming on the third time. Then there is no possible way that the public can accept a central bank issue, the Federal Reserve issuing a digital currency. It, someone's got to articulately, articulately explain to the public that they are not worthy of that power. Because the amount of power that comes with a centrally issued digital currency is like taking the best thing and turning it into the worst thing, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't like blame China 
for example, like they're just playing the game. They're like, oh yeah, you want to ship all your factories here? Great. You want to show us all the ways that you manufacture these things and just basically give up, you know, 150 years of, of innovation and uh, manufacturing capacity and, and whatever. I really thought with COVID and the emergency medic the, the, the emergency that that created or seemed to create with uh, with not manufacturing our own medical supplies here in America. Yeah, man. You or know, everything. That, that alone should have been like, they should have, you know, if they're going to spend money, they should have immediately started spending money to, to, to subsidize repatriating the, at least beginning with the medical industry. Yeah. You know, I mean, every job should be back here and globalism should be totally wound down. I just think that this direction that the whole world is taking where it's like a, a larger central central controlling uh, body is just going to be worse and worse. I mean, look how bad it is already just to try to deal with, you know, uh, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles or, uh, you know, actually, you know, they're just like any government agency where you're trying to get a service from them. How do you, how does anybody think it's going to get better the bigger it gets? Because now it's as big as it's ever been and shit's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like I was like kind of remembering the train of thought that I lost, there are so many problems that I, in my heart of heart believes would, would be a background problem that, that wouldn't be such a uh, catastrophe if people had a, a, a decent living mm -hmm. and got paid and there were jobs and it wasn't this hustle culture and because not everyone's a hustler. You know, uh, I, I, I think that, that these, these people, these think tanks and whatever that, that steered America where it's been going since 1971 have completely abandoned. And when these companies willingly left, they gave up on the American dream. Th yeah. th like they gave up on the notion that. Th oh. We've lost like, frozen. Oh, there you go. We lost you. For I'm a sec. Yeah. That's all right. I was, Where was that I was going? just saying that, that they, they forgot that they're part of the, the, this equation that uh, makes everything work, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then, then, and then as wages have stagnated, credit cards, God damn, credit cards are what are propping up the American dream now. And they, they've been doing it since the eighties. And that's every goddamn credit card is just money creation to what end, mm. you know, it's money from nowhere. It's suddenly $10,000. I yeah. mean, the I only wonder, thing that's good if about it, if you, I wonder if they have that. Like, I wonder if credit card companies like have the uh, have the money, or if that's credit. Like, are they? Are they? No, are no, they... they don't have the money. It's like they just it, this whole idea that there's some sort of like Scrooge McDuck that the banks have this big bag of gold and then they're lending out depositors monies and stuff. That is like a joke. Like that that shit isn't even happening anymore. You know. If you even if you went to your bank and, and and you tried to ask them for a small business loan, they're like, anything under ten thousand dollars, we just give you a credit card. Like really? they don't care. Is that is that yeah. is that where it's at? They just give you a credit. It's pretty card. much. So they're you like, can't get you like a five thousand dollars to start a business, or you want a eight thousand dollar loan? No, here's a credit card. That's I will loan you this money that came out of nowhere at like eighteen percent interest. You know. Wow. And you're right. Like you, you've you've hit so many like absolutely accurate points here. Like you've hit on um, the yeah the the decoupling of the dollar from from gold. You've hit on um, the central bank digital currencies, which are the fucking worst idea in the fucking world. The worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you. Does anyone not like the government's decisions on anything? There's like be prepared for your money to be programmed for those decisions. Like, yeah. like it, it's just not like a left or right issue. It's just like I know. the government shouldn't have that power. Nor should no. a nor should a, a non-government like government affiliated, non-regulated, never audited body in the Fed. Like they should just yeah. not have that power. Like yeah. 
like all at the fucking fed someone <laughs> and then you're right as well but the the infinite liquidity that they've just got like infinite money on tap and like this is yeah this is another concept that i just it took me a long time to really get my head around um this like the idea of inflation and and the the, the just the fact that we've been like debasing the value of the money in our pocket for like 50 years now like 50 yeah. fucking years and the thing that drives me crazy when you think about it now is that there has been endless war and endless funding and endless growth of government, endless funding of the Pentagon, the Defense Department, dark science, uh, surveillance programs. The money has been there with like grease lightning for every one of these diabolical concepts that's totally antithetical to America and freedom, mm. you know? and living in a world with peace. But then the second that we want good health care, better schools, you know, like uh, 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 farms that are closer to home. Let's say we want sci-fi type stuff, vertical farms. We want what, desalination plants. The moment that it's any kind of spending that's going to benefit the public, then our leaders just go, oh, well, where are we going to find the money? Oh, we have to cut a program. Oh, we have to raise a tax. We have to find the money because otherwise, where's the money come from? But they never have to go through that bullshit when it comes to funding their own projects. I mean, in my personal opinion, I think that there are probably departments within the CIA that are fully funded, doing all kinds of dark shit that the CIA doesn't even know about. They're so compartmentalized. Yeah, you're very right about that, actually. Very, very right. Like, they, they, they're super compartmentalized. Like, it's... It, to, to to like and that's that's why like nothing ever gets caught or brought up because because they are so com uh, compartmentalized like and uh, yeah man you're really hitting a lot a lot of amazing points um i just wanted to bring up for people here this uh that i'm sharing it on on the the screen you can't see it but it says that america has spent 6.4 trillion on wars in the middle east and asia since 2001 6.4 yeah. trillion that's about a quarter of the u.s national debt just yeah. on the middle east wars like that doesn't it's even just a total shame mm -hmm. i mean in my opinion uh and, and and then the fact that like that we've been told all this time that that we can't have good things because where are we going to find the money they have totally lied they created an infinite stream to fund all their programs yeah. in 1971 and the american public didn't realize what they did you know, because now I hear people talking about MMT and public banks, and those are good things, you know. But at this point, the Federal Reserve, how is it not MMT with a middleman? It is. But like, right, do you, know, you want to know, do you want to know what I think the difference is, actually? Tell me. Um, yeah. Is that like, right, so in under modern monetary theory, the idea is that like you can, it's very Keynesian in a way that people don't realize. Yeah. It's like you, you could you print this money, like you got use it on like, useful things that like grow the economy basically like yeah. invest it in your infrastructure invest it in like i don't know fucking solar panels on people's houses invest yeah. it in like geothermal yeah. or in like in nuclear if you want to go that way i mean yeah like i'm totally with you there, and and that like the, the difference is that w when we're funding um private corporations to 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 go out in in like uh iraq afghanistan things like that on our behalf like because like the military doesn't spend all the budget on just themselves in the military like loads of it just like contracted out so you're you're paying like like blackwater and and raytheon and yeah. um boeing and like whatever the, the the mercenaries are to go and 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 spend the money or pocket it like it never gets it never gets ends up in the place where it's providing like monetary and like economic utility to the community that is paying for it in their tax like yeah that's where the difference is like if they were spending this money to go and say you know build out like electrification like they did in the fucking 40s that was the, right. it, the reason that 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 debt isn't still on the fucking books is because it provided so much economic benefit to the the nation that yeah that it paid for itself and, right. uh, and th this is the difference. And like, honestly, like that's what China's doing right. That's what they've been doing right all this time is they've just been spending the money on building the infrastructure. 
you know, and we've been kind of like spending the money on building up the state and the, the homeland is a shambles and yeah. people's minds are a shambles. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. China, China's yeah. Cause China have this, have an even more onerous um, homeland security state. Um, oh, they're the, they're, they are, they are a technocracy, hmm. you know, uh, with, with capitalism. Yeah. And, and I really think that, uh, um, you know, there's some really good guys that I watch on, on YouTube called ADV China, and they do a lot of really good insightful videos. And, uh, but they're like, you know, they're just saying at this point, th it is like the worst direction that, um, that we could go. Uh, you know, I, I, I see like Canada kind of going there and embracing a lot of this stuff, a lot of the spending now, like I look at 5G, you know, 5G is simply infrastructure for, for the, for yeah, the technology. Yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how fucking fast do I need to get my videos <laughs> on my phone? Yeah. Do I need to get my videos so fast that we need to build a system that's basically so you can have live AI security cameras, you know? Now, wow. granted, when I watch some of these videos about China, the good thing about China is outside of the cities, the, everything falls apart. You know, the whole surveillance state, uh, you know, they still have thugs and, and you know, people that will just show up and like police and stuff, but the cameras and the spyware and all that stuff is um, not as effective as they say it is, but yeah, I'd... Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't blame China for what they're doing, but I'm just so scared of their, the direction that their government's taking, mm. you know, it's worrying. And then man. we're in a place where we can't say anything bad about them. That's, that's the more worrying part. Like if I'm honest, cause like, yeah, there's always been horrible dictators over overseas yeah. as long as I've been alive. I mean, and as yeah, for the entirety of, of human history, really. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's yeah, only in the last hundred years, less than a hundred years where we've been like free enough to see it, like what, and, and we've had the access to the information and we can sit and be like, well, thankfully at least we're not there. But then when, like you said, when we don't condemn it, like what did fucking Pelosi say the other day? I was stunned. I was like, woman. Um, oh, she, that they're like, uh, they, they rank high on the freedom. Yeah. Index. They're like one of the freest countries in the world. And I was like, what? Like, in, like what world are you living in? I know. And I was thinking, I, like, I, I, they're all so old, man. Like, oh, I how know. do they? How, how do people who are that like? Surely you want like a young, like, fit, like, energetic person to do it. You know, like to do, yeah, to be the leader. Yeah, because like you, you know, know, they say, oh, it's a difficult job. There's a lot of stress, and I was like, great, let's not have like people who should be retired do it. Yeah, and the fact that she is not, uh, that none of these people seem to be cultivating, uh, uh, being mentors to a younger generation of, of leaders, you know, that that just shows that they don't give a fuck. Yeah, man. There's no, the there's future. no baton passing. You're very right. Yeah. And what I don't understand, you know, this is one of these things in my mind where it's like, you just get frustrated at the world. And then maybe it's like Machiavelli is reassuring, like, don't worry. It's always been like that. But what, what do these people need? And who do they think they are? Mm. And who do we think we are? You know? Uh, I, 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 I've tweeted it a few times, and I, told, and I pretty much stand by it, although people could probably find circumstances where I would, would change what I said. But I, I was basically like, I'm always going to agree with what farmers have to say. You know, when it comes to, like, the Dutch protesters and mm. stuff like i i don't know about you but i just think that this climate change and and these so-called solutions are just another means to hijack you know the, the public the, the 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 commons yeah you know and and to to seize land to seize control uh to to force businesses to capitulate to this uh system and you know carbon credits they've already figured out they're going to be carbon credit backed securities and they're just gonna it's going to be another just financialized 
instrument to exploit, you know, and then they'll say like, oh, well, every human, you know, you get 50 carbon credits a year and you have to wear this mask now all the time. And it's going to measure how many times you exhale. And if you exhale more than 2000 times a day, then, you know, you have to pay a little carbon tax and we'll just take that out as like a breathing fee from your central bank digital currency wallet that uh, is hooked up to your, um, you know, your medical records and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's going in a very scary direction. Like I've just, I was, I was going to say that like you, what you said about carbon credits, the, the trading and the financialization of them is like, it already exists, man. Like this is yeah. already happening. Like it happened under Obama. This is from, from, from recently in the UK, like there's carbon yeah. credits, like they're, they're betting for like a hundred dollar carbon price. Like they've already financialized the market like yeah. in 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 this thing and you're i think you're totally right like the the idea of of like clean renewable energy that we yeah. can make in our own country and do not have to ship around the world do not have to um buy like buy down to to dictators in order to to get it you know like i guarantee we would be a lot less nice to saudi arabia if we didn't need their oil I, I figured that we'd be sort sort of less okay with some yeah. of their human rights atrocities. Yeah. I think we probably wouldn't let Qatar host the World Cup if they didn't have all the oil. And like, yeah. you know, so I, I for me, this is another thing that I don't see as left and right. Is like, do you want to be able to like be energy independent as a nation? Like that is that is like such a national security goal. That is like. Like any nation who becomes energy independent is just like so much stronger in their yeah. whatever position they are. Like whether that's like financially, like militarily, um, whether that's just in terms of like stability within the country of like access to to, to energy. It, yeah, it, it's it's wild that that we're drifting in this really really authoritarian direction. But like, do you do you think that? Uh, part of me feels like there's there's definitely like a a shift in tide in this in this like uh realm like in terms of like people realizing what's happening like what do you think i do yeah yeah it's uh i don't know how exactly it's happening you know but i think that that i mean at least like one thing i can point out is like right now in america the democratic party has had all has had the trifecta mm-hmm. that, you know, go out, go vote so you can get Democrats in and then they're going to do what you want. So the Democrats have had this trifecta for two years. They've had the president, the yeah. House and the Senate. Yeah, you're right, actually. And they have almost two years, spent right? it getting, they have gotten cl- nothing done. Back, nothing back, of consequence. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. They've bitched about Donald Trump. Yeah. They continually are bitching about Donald Trump. Like, fucking drop it. You know? I know. They have blown it because now they're in campaign mode as they coast down into the midterm elections in November. So they're not going to get anything done now. You know, from now till November, zero is going to get done. And then they're going to fucking, in my opinion, they're going to lose. So they're going to lose this power that we're, that we're told this is why you vote so that you have all the wheels at your party's disposal and then magic happens but nothing happened and then they fucking then, it do you know who wins the fucking donors because the only things yeah, that the... get passed are things that are bipartisan in other words that are like that have the, the the same people are paying both sides that's the only things that get passed yeah and a new new agents eighty-seven thousand new irs agents some yeah. of whom or need to be uh, physically fit and able and willing to use deadly force. Um, they. Oh my god! No, seriously, I saw the I yeah. saw the ads, and they've also the IRS has purchased. Like, hang on, let me find out how much this is because, like, they've purchased thousands of guns. Yeah, and and ammo as well. Yeah, I've like, read that. Which is like what? Like what? So what is, like a what's the IRS thing? doing? Like I know. Yeah, five um, five million rounds of ammunition and four and a half thousand guns. <laughs> Oh my God. They don't, you know, that just shows what they're after. They're not going to like throw the hammer at, uh, you know, uh, crime going on uh, at the top. Those people all just keep getting away with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, man. It really is. It's um. So then that's why it's really weird to be an artist right now, too. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that to finish off. So like, why do you say well, it's weird to be an artist right now? What what, what prompts you to say that? Uh, because it just feels like, um, that it's just such a strange time to it's like to be a fine artist, I guess. You know, like when I was a video game artist, I was like, had a salary and was productive and and uh, was making product and th that people are consuming. And you could still argue that being an artist in video games, you're still making fluff or whatever. But to try to be like a fine artist, you know, you're really making stuff that that people don't need technically. You know, and then as it gets harder and harder to just fill your car with gas and commute to your job that barely pays you enough to buy the food you like to eat and, and, and maintain whatever lifestyle you had for the last 20 years, you know, then it's kind of like, um, it's a harder sell, <laughs> you know, uh, when I, I, like, I've, I've never tried to be someone who's really wheeling, wheeling, wheeling and dealing their art. You know, I mean, I'm trying to sell it and I, tr and all I can do is try to make artworks that I think are, are, are deep and, and beautiful. And, um, but, you know, at the same time, people trying to make money out of art, like investors investing in art is sort of like, makes me scared. Mm -hmm. You know, I see all these ads on Twitter. There's some, uh, masterworks.io. It's, it's a, uh, you know, it's like they sell fractional fine art and, uh, and, um, and so they're trying to, to trying to, to parlay art as like an investment vehicle and, you know, Morgan Stanley or bank of America has a fine art fund where it's like, you know, they, they buy, they, 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 they scour the art schools and art forum and they buy what they think is going to go up, but it's such a market that can be rigged, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're really tr like the people that have made a lot of money and become big, you know, in, in the art world, they didn't passively collect art and then just watch it magically go up in value. You look at Gertrude Stein, you look at Vollard, you look at Charles Saatchi or Bob Skull or whatever, like they played a major part in their own art collections becoming big, you know? So I get scared when people start kind of talking about how this is a great way to just like, uh, you know, sit around and watch your portfolio go up, you know? Like if you didn't buy a piece of art first and foremost because you like it, then there's better ways to be making money. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then look at, have you ever heard all these stories about how the CIA totally totally manipulated the art market in the 50s, 60s, and 70s to no, uh, as part of a culture war? Dear God, tell me more. If you, no, there's books on the subject now, my friend. If you search CIA modern art, they were hand in glove with the media, with the critics, with the, with the auction houses at creating a bubble in American art as to, to show that American exceptionalism, we are number one, the Soviet Union is old fashioned, you know, content, like they're stuck in the 19th century and America is on the moon. And so they threw money behind Pollock and Clement Greenberg was one of their boys. And when they took these paintings to the auction houses in New York, they were breaking records left and right because the CIA was just throwing money into the auction houses. So it was like a win-win for them because they were able to get all these giant headlines and how America is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, this is all... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're putting up a thing here that's showing... Um, yeah, maybe you can't see it if I'm on thing. Yeah, I'm just, I, was, yeah, I, yeah. I decided it, to pull it up so you could see it, but I've realized And it really makes me question everything that you think about, about abstract expressionism and blue chip art from the 60s to now. Yeah. You know, that they just, we got played. I'm really and, pissed know, about Jackson really Pollock. I love out. Jackson Pollock. I know, that's the thing. These guys were good, but the fact that 
artists like Grant Wood and, and um, uh, the American regionalists, Thomas Hart Benton, they were borderline commies, you know? They certainly were socialists. And, uh, and, and you know, for whatever you believe in that, their work portrayed the American scene and they painted poor people and they painted the plight of the farmer and the plight of the black person and they, and they had subject matter. And yeah. that was not, that was not what the CAA was interested in, you know, like the more that, so they just got rid of everything. They got rid of subject matter. They got rid of chiaroscuro. They got rid of figuration. They got rid of, of all all representation, and then they just deconstructed painting until it got flatter and flatter, and then you just ended up with like, I don't know, stripes <laughs> and uh, minimalism. So, like, what? So you think this was like the the? So you think that was that was their goal? The minute that like the the end where it turned into like just minimalism? I do think, you think that's? Do you think that was their goal? Just to like. Because I, I see a similar thing happening in a lot of industries, right? Where things have become like weirdly simplistic. Like, and it's yeah. like, I saw this thing. It was like about how all logos look the fucking same now. They all have the exact same font, the exact same styling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like because of Adobe. <laughs> maybe. Well, possibly, but that doesn't explain it. Adobe's got a lot of font, like, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed that for a long time, every logo was a hexagon of some sort. You know, the computers love the hexagons. Yeah, well, hexagons are the best against if uh, anyone knows. Oh, I love hexagons. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to draw them over and over because they can be flat and they can look like a cube simultaneously, you know? Yeah, I love it. I'm just going to pull up this video for people if they can look at it. It's called Hexagons are the Best Against by CBG Cray. Oh, I, I believe it. I'm a fan of hexagons. I love me some CBG Cray. He's like, he's basically, I think he may be the king of YouTube. People need to check this video out. Hexagons are the best against. Anyway. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Um, am I still not? Am I still casting that other stuff? No, I am. No, <laughs> I, see, I just see me on the screen though. Yeah, there we go. I'm back. Lovely. So, um, Alex, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, man. It's uh, been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I look pleasure. forward to seeing some clips or stuff. I subscribe to your YouTube channel now. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, there will be this plus some and clips. And you got some big names on here. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky, people, actually, like... um, so far. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of uh, famous. But you know what's crazy about being well-known and, like, is you can be really well-known, but then you're still in, like, I could name, I could start rattling off a bunch of comedians that I think are like, oh, some of the greatest comedians, culture, cultural landmarks, you know? And you'd say like, yeah, you ever heard of Doug Stanhope? And people are like, no, who's that? Oh, Doug like, Stanhope? He's one of the fucking funniest comics ever. So it's like being famous. I'm a, I'm, I'm a tempest in a teapot. <laughs> well, I'm somewhat well-known amongst the GameStop community. Um, who oh, I good. Am, who I'm writing my book about. So like they... Because um, all, most of my biggest interviews have been with people who are in that world. So I managed to get quite a lot of viewers from that. So that was nice. So I'm so somewhat that's why known the Citadel, in Citadel, you're giving me that tip with exactly. painting the Citadel Citadel Securities needs to be on fire. So now uh, if I Google it, is there is there like a, a building? Oh, yeah, is, there's a building. There is a building. So there was okay. one in Chicago and now they're moving to Miami. But the Chicago oh, okay. one, which is the perfect excuse to to uh, to do on fire since they're fleeing it. Um, oh my god! And there was footage that people, some of the people went down with drones. Right, this is amazing. Like I will never get over some of the stuff that happened during this this saga. Uh, like, <laughs> so first of all, people started taking pictures of the building at night, being like, "Why are these guys working late? What's going down?" Like, yeah. and then then someone took a drone out. And started like like hovering around it, and then loads of people started doing this. And one night, someone wow. caught some Citadel Citadel employees on like the fifteenth floor sniffing things off the table whilst working late. Oh my god! Some idea powder, bad idea powder. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Like, <laughs> oh, god. 
And then well, there goes their money. They're just snorting it right there. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, then, and then, then they, um, then, like, there was, like, at one point when the drone pictures were appearing on the subreddit, there was, like, a spike in, like, drone laws on Google. Um, oh, Like, shit. in Chicago, in the area where the thing is. Like, you can't do fly drones this close to a building now. And Oh, man. Yeah, it, it, it never stops getting old. Um, it's, it's been a ride. But, yes, Alex, um, I will let you get on with your painting. Um, thanks Thank for the you. nice yeah, portrait. I think I, I think I got a decent portrait of you here. Yeah, man. It sort of looks like you. I'll send you some there. postage and you can you can mail it to me and I'll put it behind me. Yeah, there you go. Put a little frame on it. Yeah. I I've will actually the do that. Conversation, man. Thanks a lot for having me. No problem. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to leave us a comment, that would be awesome. Please like, share, subscribe, and if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for listening.